Welcome to The Breakdown with James Lankford, where Oklahoma Senator James Lankford discusses policy issues in Congress. Thank you for listening today. This is The Breakdown. This is Senator James Langford from Oklahoma, back with another episode of The Breakdown. Uh, This is a time where we try to block off a little bit of time to be able to talk about one of the issues that's in the news in a more in-depth fashion and to be able to dig into it. Uh, I have found a lot of folks will catch me privately at some town hall meeting or sometime when I'm around town or catch me at Walmart somewhere and they'll say, hey, I keep hearing this term and I have no idea what that means, but I'm I'm afraid to be able to ask anyone else. So we try to dig into some of the issues and to say, let's walk through this a little bit. And uh, so you'll be a little more informed than the person in the cubicle next to you uh, when you get a chance to be able to chit-chat at work sometime. Uh, So let let me uh, introduce, first of all, Kevin Kinchlow, who's been on the breakdown with us before. Kevin, it's good to have you back. Kevin is the senior policy analyst uh, for me on the staff here in Washington, D.C., is the pride of Durant, Oklahoma. And uh, we're very grateful to be able to have you on the team and on this conversation today, Kevin. Thank you for having me, sir. No, glad to be able to do it. We need your insight on this as well, because the thing we're talking about today is on pharmaceuticals, prescription drugs, the wonderful pricing that's out there. And uh, this is something that uh, you and I have worked on extensively since January of this year. Well, before that, but uh, on the Finance Committee trying to be able to solve it extensively from January this year. So we're going to spend a chunk of time to be able to walk through that. Uh, let me give you just a quick reminder. If you ever want to stay in contact with our office, you can always do it. If you got questions on this topic or another one at langford.senate.gov, or of course, you can always subscribe to The Breakdown, uh, which we do just about every month on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, and keep up to date with us on all the social media platforms at, so- at uh, Senator Langford. Uh, about to say you can keep up with social media at social media. That would make no sense. So, <laughs> uh, so let, let me walk through just a couple of things on this. You go to the doctor because you're not feeling great. You get a prescription from the doctor, you go to some pharmacy and you want to get it filled and you freak out over the cost. Uh, and the pharmacist says to you, well, we might be able to get it for a different cost or there's a generic or if you have this insurance, it's a different cost. Or if you go to a different pharmacy, it's an entirely different cost. Or they'll say, yes, we used to have that uh, prescription, but now we don't have it. Now you have to go to a different pharmacy to get this. And you suddenly realize I'm sick. I don't feel good. I just want to go home and get this script done. And it's chaos at the pharmacy counter. And so you're trying to figure out who'd be mad at, the very nice person in the white coat on the other side of the counter, the pharmaceutical company, the insurance company, your doctor. Uh, It's just that tense moment of trying to figure out what just happened. Everything was chaotic enough going through the insurance process, but now it's just gotten worse. Welcome to pharmacy pricing in America. It depends on how old you are, what policy you have, what pharmacy you use. Uh, Everything begins to be able to break down. So we're trying to be able to help solve some of the issues and to deal with some pretty basic things. We started earlier this year talking about how do we reduce the out-of-pocket cost for consumers? Because that's really what ends up end up paying for. How do we give greater access to more types of uh, pharmaceuticals? Uh, and so we're not limiting the different types of pharmaceuticals. You've still got access to that. How do we solve like the donut hole uh, that we heard talked about in uh, Medicare for so long, uh, that there's a certain season in the point of the year where a lot of seniors pay a lot more for pharmaceuticals? They feel like they pay a lot more at the beginning of the year. In fact, their feeling is probably true uh, because the way the system is set up, there's a big push to do more expensive drugs in the beginning of the year. You end up in the donut hole faster, and then it all gets pushed off. So we're trying to solve that. So there's a lot of issues. And when you get into pharmaceuticals, uh, you suddenly start glazing over with all the different complexity that's in the process. 
That's why it's taken so long to go through this. And it's quite frankly why in the Affordable Care Act, uh, Democrats during that time period didn't really touch pharmaceuticals at all. Uh, they dealt with health care in the hospital and uh, some access to uh, insurance, but pharmaceuticals they stayed away from on it because of the complexity on it. We're trying to be able to dig in and to be able to try to help solve this. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time with Kevin walking through Medicare, Medicaid, uh, the different terms, and to try to break it down. But before I jump into that, I want to talk through one group that most people have never heard of. You know about a pharmaceutical company. You know about your pharmacist. You know about your doctor. You know about your insurance company. But most people don't know there's one group that's kind of behind all of those that connects all of them, and they're called a pharmacy benefit manager. Now, Kevin, there's not many of these. How many of these are out there in the country that are pharmacy benefit managers? There, I think there's about 10, but there are three major players that right. dominate about 80% or more of the marketplace. So there's not a ton of uh, competition there. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of competition. These three dominant players that are out there, the pharmacy benefit managers, they, they relate between who to who. Right. who. Who are they connecting there? So they do the negotiations between the insurer and the manufacturer. And so what we've been trying to find out is what does price actually mean? How do we get there? What is net versus list? And you hear all these terms that are thrown around. The PBMs are sort of the middleman in the process. They are doing the actual negotiations. and so Which what, means they can save money. That's right. There is a chance they, they can save money. In fact, they've saved a lot of money because they negotiate a lower price. That's right. But there's a catch. That's right. They're, in fact, that's their design. That's why they. That's what they are supposed to be doing. So when a drug manufacturer brings a new drug to market, they set the price, what's called the list price, right? The PBMs will then negotiate that down for the insurers um, to, to lower the cost for the plan and ultimately, hopefully, the consumer. And so they'll do that through something called rebates, which you've talked a lot about before. Oh, yeah. And we're trying to figure out exactly how that works, what the incentives or the disincentives are um, to figure out what the, the lowest possible price is and how much of the dollars are actually flowing right. through the system. So the setup was, especially for the federal taxpayer, uh, whether it's in a, a Medicaid benefit, a Medicare benefit, whatever it mm -hmm. may be, as they work through with states or with the federal government, the rebate system was really set up to be able to make sure the federal consumer was getting the lowest possible price. Right. But the rebate system now has become a way to be able to push some drugs out and to allow some other drugs in. And a lot of consumers uh, I talk to will say, I hear there's drug rebates, but I never get the rebate. Right. Where does the rebate go? Well, somewhat it comes back to the Treasury at this point in trying to get a lower price. Mm -hmm. uh, but in for the consumers that are on insurance that are not on Medicare, for instance, uh, they're not feeling that. In fact, uh, the rebate system has been used to be able to block some drugs out. Uh, we've talked before about several problems we're going to go into more later. But there's this other group that I want to be able to bring up early to let people know that when you're at the pharmacy counter, it's not just your insurance company and your doctor and your pharmacist there. There's also the pharmacy benefit manager behind the scenes kind of managing this mm -hmm. whole thing through the process. Uh, let, let me throw through two things as well, because I've had a lot of folks that have said uh, to me, I'm hearing some things about some of the debate on pharmaceuticals, and they want to know uh, about different things. One thing is I hear a lot of people throw out this big question of what about just Medicare just being able to negotiate for drug prices? Uh, Kevin, how many times do you think you've gotten the question or a call from somebody saying, why can't Medicare just negotiate prices? Right. I mean, that's that's one of the big pushes um, right now from the other side to say that if, if Medicare could just directly negotiate with pharmaceutical companies or the insurers, then prices would obviously, or they think would go down. Sure. It, it, uh, it makes sense. If, if, I'm not, if I'm negotiating for a car 
at a car dealer, uh, and I've got the opportunity to be able to haggle back and forth. I'm not just paying the list price on the window sticker. No way. I'm buying a car. I know I'm going to try to negotiate this price down. So there's this sense of if I can negotiate, I can get a lower price, right? Right. That's the sense. Um, but the, the special thing about the Medicare Part D is that it's not it's not Medicaid. It, it runs based on competitions. Plans are competing with each other. There's real, right. true private market negotiation going on there. So it's completely it's a completely different design. So that's that's the big push. Um, so there's lots of competition already out there in different plans in, in Medicare Part D uh, that's driving down some of the cost. The second thing you got to remember is my car illustration. Uh, if somebody is, if I'm trying to go buy a car and I'm negotiating a price, the one thing that I know is I can walk away. Right. Exactly. If I don't get the right price, I can walk away and you just not buy it at all. Or the car dealer can look at me and go, you're crazy. I'm mm-hmm. not going to sell you this car for $12. I'm not going to do it. And they can walk away. If you're going to do Medicare pricing, the only way that that could really work to be able to negotiate for lower prices is if they can walk away. Right. And that would mean fewer options for seniors. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the challenge. Folks that say, hey, let's have competition, uh, or not just competition, but let's have price negotiation for Medicare, uh, they leave out the simple fact of, okay, we could do that, except you're not going to have three drug options there. You're probably going to have one. Right. And most of these other countries around the world, that they would say, well, they sell that particular drug for a lot cheaper than they sell in America. Probably. But that also means that's the only drug they have for that type of cancer, or that's the only kind of drug that they have for that type of epilepsy. They've only got one option. And all the other options, they don't have because they've been negotiated out. That's exactly right. So they negotiated a lower price for that one and negotiated everybody else a no. We as Americans know, watching it, and the rest of the world, quite frankly, knows it, that not everybody's body is the same. Not everybody's DNA is the same. We're trying to get the maximum number of drug options uh, so that physicians can say, if this drug didn't work for you, let's try this one. That doesn't happen in other countries right? uh, because that second drug is just not available. So there is a decision that's made there. For folks that say, I want to do Medicare Part D, I want them to be able to negotiate for prices, or also they have to in the background as well say, and I want fewer options on that. We have not agreed to that as Americans. Quite frankly, one of the things that makes us Americans is choice. Uh, we love the opportunities to be able to say, I've got five options. Let me pick the one that I like the best. Right. But that's the big trade-off if you're going the negotiation round. And one thing that that would bring about is that Medicare Part D, it, it does have its flaws, but it has come in 40% under budget in terms of our spending because these plans privately negotiate with one another. Right. So, so they're competing plan to plan. Right. But the federal government's not saying we're going to pick one winner right. in all of this and try to determine it. Because if you do that, then that means that some of these options are going to be eliminated mm-hmm. uh, as you go from there. That's why some plans, they'll say, if you pick this plan, it's better if you're a diabetic because they won the competition on the cheaper prices on the certain diabetes drugs. Or another one is is a better plan if you're a cancer patient because they've, they've won some of the competition on some of that. And so, they, But it gives you the options. You've got all of them in front of you, and you pick the one that works best for you. Exactly. The other thing that I hear all the time is I, I hear, and in fact it was debated heavily uh, just in conference a couple of months ago, and that is, well, let's just do a cap on inflation that we'll just say as the federal government and as the taxpayers, drug prices are growing up. And so we're going to keep drug prices from going up by just setting a certain price and say they can't go up any more than this. For instance, they would say inflation. Inflation's maybe at 2% or maybe 3% on a really high inflation Mm -hmm. year. Uh, So we'll say it can't go up any higher than 2 or 3%. Whatever inflation is, they can go up by that amount, but they're limited. Sounds like a great idea, right? Right. Say this drug costs $100 this year, 2% inflation cap. It can't be more than $102 next year. It can't be $500. That makes total sense for someone 
who is currently uh, uh, taking insulin because they've watched insulin just skyrocket mm-hmm. in price over the last couple of years. They're like, this is insane. Insulin's not a new drug. It's almost 100 years old. Let's put uh, a cap on it, right? Right. So let's just put a cap on yeah. it and make sure it can't grow anymore. What's the problem with just saying, let's do a cap? Unfortunately, what you do is you basically you lock in a price, a floor and a ceiling at the same time. So right. if you know that your drug is going, if you're, if you're a pharmaceutical manufacturer and you know that you're going to be locked into a price, you're never going to have the incentive to actually cut the price at any point. And if you have a new drug that you're bringing to market at some point, oh, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to, you, you see this coming, you're just going to launch high. You're going to list the price at the very beginning as high as you possibly exactly can. Exactly so right. So it may, it may work for a few years mm-hmm. uh, for drugs that couldn't move up in price, but you get five, six years out and new drugs are being launched, those new drugs are going to be launched sky high prices because they'll know they can't go up anymore. The other challenge is, not every drug goes up every year in price. Right. There are a lot of drugs that are maintenance drugs, older drugs, generic mm-hmm. drugs, others, that they go down in price or they stay the same year after year. Now, we've seen some drugs, especially specialty drugs, they've really skyrocketed mm-hmm. in prices. But rel- that's a relatively small number of those drugs. Most of the drugs are either staying about the same or they've actually gone down in price with competition and with time. I know uh, in Oklahoma, we several years ago voted as a state that we're going to cap inflation for property tax. Our property tax in Oklahoma can't go up more than 3% a year. It has a constitutional cap. But because it has a constitutional cap of it can't go up any more than 3% a year, you know how much my property tax goes up every year, Kevin? I'm going to guess somewhere in the 3% 3% every single year. It's never below that. It's never like a 1% increase. It's 3% every single year because that's the maximum it can go up Mm -hmm. and so it does go up that amount my concern is as soon as you set an inflation cap you're going to send a signal to drug companies launch at a higher price for every new drug so that's going to hurt people at the very beginning trying to get access to it and to every drug that's gone down in price or that stayed the same in price that won't happen Mm -hmm. anymore they'll all go up three or four percent whatever it is every single year year after year because they can uh, because it's legally allowed so this part was in the bill that was actually discussed coming out of committee that I voted against that portion and said, no, I, I can't support that. Right. We've got to find a way to be able to deal with those specialty drugs that are going mm-hmm. up very fast. And I think there are creative ways to be able to do that without addressing just every drug in every place. Across and the ins- board. Across the board. Right. And incentivizing other drugs to be able to go up. I think there are short. it's just basically a short-term fix that you may see some price you know, decreases there, or they wouldn't increase as fast, but you're going to have some long-term negative effects if you just put a cap across the board on all Part D drugs. Yep. So we're, we're trying to deal with several issues here. One is we talked before about the middleman, the, the pharmacy benefit manager. Uh, one of the issues that you and I have worked on a lot is something called tiering. And most folks will have no idea what tiering is other than if you're crying at the end of a movie, you know what tiering is, I guess. But that's a, just a different kind of tiering, T-I-E-R, tiering. Uh, this is the different layers. For a lot of people, they will say, uh, if they go to the pharmacy counter and they've got a prescription, they'll say, okay, I want to fill this script. And a lot of people will say, is there a generic version of this <laughs> to their pharmacist? Because they know I'm going to pay 50 or $70, whatever their plan is, if it's a brand name, but I may only pay $10 if it's a generic. With a cheaper uh, copay. Right, with a cheaper copay. Right. right. So they, they know it's going to be cheaper on my copay if I do that. So a lot of people walk up and say, is there a generic version sure. of this? I want to try to get it. Here's what happens. The pharmacy benefit managers and the drug companies will negotiate when they're launching a new drug. Uh, they'll step out there, and the uh, uh, the drug company will work with the pharmacy benefit manager to put it out there. They keep a uh, patent on that drug for 10 or 12 years, 
at the end of that, the, some of the drug companies are coming back to the pharmacy benefit manager and saying, okay, there's about to be generic competition right. for my drug. So I will give you a rebate. Here's that rebate word again, which really is the word kickback is mm-hmm. what it should be. I will give you a rebate to your company if you will not list the generic at all. That's right. Or they'll say, I'll give you a different level of rebate, kickback, uh, to your company if you will list the generic on the branded tier, that is on the higher tier. So what that would what that would look like is you go to the pharmacy and you say, is there a generic version of this? And your pharmacist says, yes, there is a generic version, but it's the same price as the <laughs> brand name. Well, they know 99 times out of 100, you're going to say, well, just give me the brand just name. Take then. The brand. Yeah, I'll take yeah. the If the brand name and the generic is the same price, give me the brand name. They don't know that in the background, their insurance company is paying a whole lot more for that brand name, uh, the extra amount on it, and it's blocking out the new generic drugs actually coming to market. Which could so, be a lot cheaper, and you'd pay a lower coinsurance on that's it. You correct. could save a ton. And you could save a lot of money, yeah. and your out of pocket costs would be a whole lot lower. So, what we're trying to push is the simple reality of when a generic comes, to market, it has to go in a generic tier. Right. It has to go in the lower tier so that you as a consumer have the opportunity to be able to pick between the two and you have a cheaper price. That's, That's why right. I said we started with what's it going to take to get a lower out-of-pocket cost uh, for consumers? One of the things that we're trying to be able to work on is getting that tiering right. And so we're, we're getting generic drugs when they come to the lower price so they get out there. That does two things. One, it gives you more options as a consumer at a cheaper price. Second, it helps those generic companies put more drugs on the market because if they can sell that generic, then they can go sell another generic and another one, and it continues to give more options as the cost goes down uh, for consumers over and over again. It just makes sense that a generic drug should go on a generic tier. The games shouldn't be played like that, so that's the big change we're trying to make is to create a generic-only tier where they will always go on that, and you're always going to you're, you're going to have access to it first of all, and you're all, you're going to pay a lower coinsurance on it. Across the board, this change is estimated to save around twenty two billion dollars. Billion, billion, with billion a B. with a B. That's yeah. right for consumer spending. Yeah, it, so it's it's a big issue. And it's one that we worked on extensively. That we're working to be able to get to the floor and to be able to actually get that result. There, there's a whole bunch of issues we're working with on our committee on this, but there's two other committees that are also working on prescription mm-hmm. drugs right now. And what we're trying to do is get all three of those committees to finish their work, bring it to the floor, and have one larger bill just dealing with it. Uh, the Judiciary Committee is doing something on patent thickets. It, it's got to be some of the, one of the most complicated issues. But the, the, basically, the, the, the way, simple way to be able to say it is, if you've got a, a drug, let's just randomly pick a drug. I'll just make one up. Let's say <laughs> Humira. Oh. Uh, just randomly yeah. pick a drug on it. So let's say Humira comes to the market, and they've actually asked for how many different patents on their drug right now? So they have 136 different 136 patents. different patents on their drug. With 247 pending. So wow. that means they've created new uses, new applications, new ways to administer it, maybe a packaging change. And you can get a patent on that for each one of those, which just stacks on top of the other, creating the extends it out. patent thicket. Right, which just extends out the link. So you're right. supposed to invent a drug, and you'll have it for about 10 to 12 years under patent protection, so you can make your money back on it, and then it can go generic. But if they can create this patent thicket and to create all these different patents, new uses, new packaging, new new colors, new whatever sure. on it, then suddenly it's not 10 to 12 years. It's years and years and years and years. And generic companies are blocked out right. from being able to do it. Well, their judiciary committee is trying to deal with that to say, okay, if you're just trying to create complexity, 
generic companies need to be able to come into that market, and it helps the consumer. Humira is an exceptionally expensive drug to be able to do. In fact, what's interesting is if Humira, not the drug company, just that one drug was a company, it would be a top 50 company in America. That's incredible. I think uh, it's $130 billion since so, it began. By the way, it's a great drug. It's a great invention. I'm really proud that it's an American uh, invention and all those great things on it. But we need to have it go through the normal process and just creating complexity to be able to block out generic competition is not an American way. So it's an anti-competitive thing. So we're trying to be able to work through that. The, the second thing that we, we're working on a lot is another committee is working on what's called surprise billing. Now, folks have seen the surprise billing or have experienced it as they go to especially the emergency room or they'll go into a doctor that's an in-network hospital, but then they'll say, go down the hall and go to the radiologist and, and get a lab test or, right. or, or go down the hall and, and go do this. And then suddenly they've got their cop- their typical amount that they would pay for their deductible, and then they get a giant bill for the radiology. Months later. Right, months later, and they'll find out, oh, that person was out of network. Well, the hospital was in network. Their doctor was in network. But maybe the lab they said to go to was not in network, and it literally could have been down the hall. And you have no way to know that. Yeah, there's no way to know. There's not a big sign out there. By the way, you're leaving your network. Okay, there's nothing (laughs) like that as you're you're coming through. It just happens. So we're trying to be able to help consumers to say they've got to have some transparency. They've got to be notified. They've Mm got to be aware. or There's got to be balanced pricing. That if a doctor's recommending this place to be able to go right. and they're coming to you because you're in network, they have to honor the in network price. There's got to be some, some solutions to that. There are three or four of those that are being thrown around right now that that committee is in the process of trying to negotiate and will actually come to the floor to try to be able to get some additional options. All of these are around the same issue. How can we help protect the out of pocket costs for healthcare <laughs> costs and for prescription costs for the consumer? How can we make sure they continue to increase the number of options and opportunities they have to get different types of pharmaceuticals, different types of treatments to be able to help them through the process? We want there to be more competition in the market, lower prices, and to have more options for them. But we can do that if we can actually try to be more fair in the system. Now, there's lots of other issues with this. We're we're not going into all of these, uh, but we're trying to be able to help both the local pharmacy and the biggest company. Uh, to be able to know for any of those individuals in between, to be able to know how can we help protect some of the costs in, in, as we go through the issue of pharmaceuticals. So I, I hope this conversation has been helpful to folks. Uh, I, I would love for people to be able to sit in on one of our hearings where we have these in-depth multi-hour hearings uh, going through some of these things and throwing these terms around. You're welcome to do that if you want to be one of eight people that watch C-SPAN. They're <laughs> broadcast on C-SPAN at any point to be able to see it, and we can send you the details on, on some of those hearings. Uh, but we can also send you information just on our e-newsletter uh, on the updates on that. We do our e-newsletter at langford.senate.gov. You can sign up. We have tens of thousands of people across the state. Uh, that are subscribers to the e-newsletter. We send it out once a month and just let people know, here's what's coming, here's what we've already done, here are the, here are the things that's, that's active on the floor that you might not have heard in the news. Whether it's on this issue or another issue, uh, stay in contact with us. Uh, we're trying to be able to work through issues. We don't know everything, but we're trying to learn as much as we possibly can. And where we find a problem, we go after it to see if we can't actually solve that uh, as we go through the process. I think that's what uh, Oklahomans expect us to do uh, for you and I, Kevin, as we work through the issues, is to try to not only identify the problems when they say, when they call or email and say, this is a problem, but they expect us to solve it. And that's what we work on all right. day long. So I appreciate all your work, Kevin, on the behalf of Oklahomans. And uh, 
the other 49 states that get the benefit of what you're doing uh, for Oklahomans will also benefit them as well. Thank you for uh, we'll, having me. Oh, yeah, glad you are able to do it. Uh, so keep in contact with us. Uh, if there's any way that we can possibly help or serve you, we look forward to it. And tune in the next time for the next podcast in the breakdown. And we'll take another hard issue and hopefully make it easier. God bless you.